majority will pass the legislation. We will pass a law prohibiting it, and we will take them to court challenging it. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. When Governor Andrew Cuomo took office 10 years ago, he said he would clean up Albany. That lasted a few years until an ethics commission that he created started investigating things that Cuomo did not want investigated, like some of his closest allies. And since then, he's done little to address misconduct in state government. Fast forward to now, and Cuomo's found himself in several controversies, including his own ethics, like claims of sexual harassment, his handling of nursing homes during the pandemic, and more. And that all came to a head this week when Cuomo announced his resignation, while again denying that he'd done anything wrong. In my mind, I've never crossed the line with anyone. But I didn't realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn. And that's opened the door for Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul to step in. Hochul will be the first woman to serve as governor in state history, and she already has a track record of public service. We'll tell you more about Hochul a little bit later in the show. But during her first remarks since Cuomo announced his resignation, Hochul made clear that, for one, she hasn't been close with Cuomo for quite some time, and for two, that her administration would look very different. No one has named, who is named as anything, doing anything unethical in the report will remain in my administration. And I'm going to stand right here. At the end of my term, whenever it ends, no one will ever describe my administration as a toxic work environment. And that might not be temporary. Hochul said the next day that she plans to run for a full term as governor next year. I am the most prepared person to assume this responsibility, and, I, and I'm going to ask the voters at some point for their faith in me again. But right now, I need their faith, I need their prayers, and I need their support to make sure we get this right. And there are now a lot of open questions and a lot to talk about. Let's get into it with Karen DeWitt from New York State Public Radio and John Campbell from the USA Today Network. Thank you both for being here. You're Thank very you. welcome. So it's certainly been a week. I think it's been a two weeks. It's, it's just been, I know that we're all exhausted. It's been a year and a half, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's probably been the most intense time in my career, even surpassing when Elliot Spitzer resigned and was replaced by David Patterson, because this seemed to just drag out even longer. No, it's really been something. I do wonder what the impetus of his resignation was. After the AG's report, he took a few days, and then a week later, I think we were, I, I was at least, I was surprised that he resigned. Good, I want to go to you first. Yeah. During the governor's speech, it was about 20 minutes long. What stood out to you that people may not have noticed watching from home or reading in the newspaper? What stood out to me was when he said, well, you all know me as a fighter. I, my instinct is to fight, that's when I knew, oh my God, he's resigning. Because it wasn't clear up to that point. Remember, this was preceded by his lawyer, Rita Glavin, picking apart the Attorney General's report piece by piece by oh, yeah. piece. And then he came on, started talking about how, you know, the report was all politics and he was a victim. And I thought, oh boy, he's going to fight. This is going to go on. That's probably what till, I thought. Yeah, probably till the eve of uh, the Assembly drafting articles of impeachment, which is the track that they were headed. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, on Monday, way, way back on Monday, Carl Hasty said, I'm not going to make any deals with the governor. It looked like impeachment was going through. And his top aide, uh, Melissa DeRosa, resigned Sunday night. And I think the governor, who did want to fight on, realized it just, it wasn't going to work. The it wasn't going to certainly work. fell. Yeah. yeah, it was just going to get worse every day. John, what do you think? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that, that 
I think a lot of New Yorkers probably saw clips of the governor's speech or, or maybe saw the governor's speech in, in full. But like Karen said, I mean, it was preceded by a half an hour of his attorney by name calling out the accusers and, and you know, picking apart their stories here and there that, you know, the, the members of the press certainly watched. So it, it was, you know, CNN had a headline out there that said uh, Andrew Cuomo does the least Andrew Cuomo thing in the most Andrew Cuomo way. <laughs> and I, I thought that was like a really, that. really, really good way of distilling it because you know, he, he was resigning, he kind of, sort of apologized, but, you know, he also wanted everybody to know that from his perspective, he was getting railroaded here. So right. he's gone in a week and a few mm -hmm. days. I can't do math in this moment. Mm -hmm. There's this open question yeah. now because the assembly had done, uh, has started the impeachment probe. So there's this question now of can they, when he leaves office, do they have to do it before he leaves office? And I asked uh, Assemblymember Chuck Levine, who is chair of the Judiciary Committee, about this earlier this week. It seems like it was a month ago at this point. And here's what he said about that. Dan, that's a very interesting question. Um, we may very well have the authority to do that. And I wouldn't discount that for a moment. But the end result would be, because he's already out of office, an impeachment itself is going to be moot. It's, it's not going to be meaning, meaningful. But there would be the opportunity in the court of impeachment to prohibit him from ever again occupying statewide office. So, Karen, what do you think about that? Do you think the assembly is going to move forward with impeachment, or do you think they're going to get in some legal trouble? There's a lot of different roads we could take here. I think they're really agonizing over this decision because I think it could reflect badly on them if they just drop it now after they were so serious just on Monday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking into all these various allegations, it's not just the sexual harassment, it's his book deal, it's the nursing home policy. Can they just walk away from that politically? And, you know, what's their own political future? Will that be held against them by a potential primary challenger in 2022? So I think it's difficult for them to walk away from it. Certainly, I would hope if they gathered any good evidence and they don't go through impeachment, they would hand it to the four or five district attorneys around the state who are investigating various allegations or even to the, the feds who are investigating the nursing home policy. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, if they do go through it, it would, would be a major distraction for the new governor, Kathy Hochul, right? It would. And, and there's a legal question of can they, can they not. And from mm. what I understand, the legal question is caught up on two words, elected official. That's in the state constitution, yeah. impeachment of an elected official. But I would argue that they kind of had that same question when President Trump was being impeached uh, last year or nope. this year. It was actually this year. Yeah, I think you know, about that this morning. It's just happening. I know. So quick. It seems like 10 years ago. I, yeah. Well, and, and you know, one of the things there with impeachment, and it's been used so rarely in New York State that there's no legal precedent. There's a very little legal precedent. William Solzer was impeached in 1913 as the mm -hmm. governor. And, you know, there are some, like, Supreme Court decisions there, but they never really advanced to the Court of Appeals. There's not a lot of precedent for this. So there's the question of if you impeach Andrew Cuomo before he, he leaves office, you know, can you continue impeaching him after? I mean, there are a lot of legal questions that would get tied up in the courts. It might get there. We don't know. Also, Seltzer wasn't banned from holding office, and he yeah. became an assembly member yeah. a few weeks later. So perhaps it could be, you know, Assemblyman Andrew Cuomo from Queens or something yeah, in a year. Gracious. Who knows? Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing, too. You know, the assembly would have, the assembly can impeach, the Senate trial with the Court of Appeals. 
uh, you know, there were there are two options. You can you can just remove the person from office, or you can remove the person from office and bar them from running for office in the future. So, it's it's there are a lot of lawmakers who do want to do that, but there are a lot that think it might be a distraction. It's a lot. It's going to be a lot to go through. It would suck all the air out of the fall and take all the attention away from anything that the new governor does. It'd be kind of like the Trump-Biden situation when the Trump second impeachment happened, which was back just in January, February yeah. 2021, and nobody was paying any attention to the new president because of that. Wait, so. and, and one other thing to note, too, Andrew Cuomo has $18 million in his campaign account. You know, if he were to want to run in the future at some point, that's a lot of money. I, right. There was a quote from Jay Jacobs this week about that. I forgot who asked him. I think it might have been Spectrum. It might have been USA Today. But he said something to the effect of, Andrew Cuomo has $18 million. The state Democratic Party wants it. And then he had this little quip yeah. where he says, if he wants the wire details, we're happy to give it to him. Yeah, I'm sure it's like in the mail, J.J. Yeah, Jacobs. that's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. so like, it, you can really see how any support that Cuomo had within the party, and obviously from without the party, has just diminished it all. And this is also a political situation a little bit. According to the governor, during his remarks when he was resigning this week, he, as we said earlier, he said that he did nothing wrong, but also he's really doubling down on this notion that this is just all political. Take a look at this. New York Smart tells us that this situation and moment are not about the facts. It's not about the truth. It's not about thoughtful analysis. It's not about how do we make the system better. This is about politics. So, John, how do you think politics affects this? Do you think the Democrats on the Judiciary Committee might say, let's back off from this, let's not look too extreme in terms of the governor? Because in the, among voters, he at least has a sliver of support left. Well, I mean, it's political in the sense that, that we work in it, we live in a political system, you know what I mean? It's right. in, and so he needed votes. He didn't have votes in neither the Assembly nor the Senate. So in that sense, it's, it's political. But, I, you know, in terms of him, um, you know, trying to brush it aside or try to, you know, suggest that he's the victim of some sort of political witch hunt, that's... That's not necessarily what's going on here. You know, this is the system, and he knows it better than anybody. Mm -hmm. When he was attorney general, he put out reports on Elliot Spitzer and Governor Patterson that were very damaging to both of them. So, I mean, he, there's a bit it's, of irony there. That's for sure. Exactly. Right? It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a little difficult to uh, you know uh, feel ba too badly for him on that point. You know. It seems like that argument that he made is not working, but he's making it anyway, perhaps in case. You know, you never know with politics. I mean, he yeah. was down before. You know, I covered him in 2002 when he primaried Carl McCall for governor, dropped out five days before the race, and then went through a horrible divorce with Kerry Kennedy, and everybody thought he was finished, and he came back. I mean, I think this time it's quite a bit harder to do, but I think that leaves the door open a little. He can say, yeah, I told you at the time it was all political. That's that's in the past. I'm a different person now. I mean, he's leaving that door open, I think. I, don't I think know. so, too. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because he wants to get a job somewhere doing something or whatever, or if he's maybe planning on running next year, which would just be, like, very exciting. I, I don't think next year. Yeah. I, I don't maybe, think so either. I don't know, 2026, maybe a New York City office. I, I mean, don't want to sound rude, but he's a little old. I just don't know, like, Okay, how old is our president? Again? Yeah, exactly. How old is our very last true. president? So, you know, I mean, I think that he could do it if he wanted to. You would think maybe he would want to find something else to do, but he's never done anything else in his That's life. That's very true. So he can't really conceive of having another career, I don't think. Right. Uh, we have about a minute left. I want to leave it to John on Kathy Hochul. 
she delivered this speech to us when we were in the blue room with her and then she took questions. I found her presentation and the way that she talked to us to be very different from Andrew Cuomo. And I'm wondering, John, how do you think she's going to change the administration and maybe her relationship with the legislature? What's going to be different under Governor Kathy Hochul? Well, the thing that struck me is she made a point to say that whenever she's out of office, whenever her term ends, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you cannot just, you won't be able to describe her work environment as toxic. And that was very clear that she was trying to differentiate herself from Governor Cuomo because it's not just the sexual harassment claims, it's also he, he's left a trail of former employees who felt that, that, that the administration was toxic and, and built on fear and, and that was documented in the Attorney General's report as well. So she's trying to differentiate herself from Andrew Cuomo. She made a point of saying that she was not close with Andrew Cuomo, which mm -hmm also happens to be true, uh, so it, it, it's, that's very beneficial to her at this point. Well, I'm excited to see how she's going to interact with us in the press, but also excited to see how she interacts with people around the state. I, I think the governor's gone through a period right now where he has stopped traveling so much, except for when it's politically convenient. So we'll and he see. was never out and about the way she is. She is. She's exactly. much better with people one-on-one, -on -one, I think. Exactly. So we'll leave it there. Karen DeWitt from New York State Public Radio. John Campbell from the USA Today Network, thank you both so much. Welcome. Thank you. So as we talked about, there's now this question of, will the Assembly still consider impeaching Cuomo even though he's leaving office? And we're expecting an answer to that question next week when the Assembly Judiciary Committee meets in Albany. But Republicans on that committee and some Democrats say the impeachment investigation should continue given that it covers more areas than just sexual harassment, like the state's handling of nursing homes, Cuomo's pandemic memoir, and a lot more. Assemblymember Mary Beth Walsh is a member of that committee. You know, that, that's all important stuff, and I think that that goes to that abuse of power and that abuse of office, and I think I would like to continue to proceed. We were tasked by the Speaker to do that work, and I want to see it to an end. So for more on all that, I turned this week to Assembly Republican Leader Will Barclay. Assembly Republican Leader Will Barclay, thank you so much for being here this week. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So Governor Cuomo has resigned at the same time the Assembly has conducted an impeachment probe against him for the last five months. And now there's this question of can they or can they not still impeach the governor since he's going to be out of office uh, sometime next week? What's your position on that? Do you think the Assembly should move forward with impeachment at this point? Yeah, I feel pretty strongly that we ought to continue forward. And there's a few reasons why I feel that. First of all, we've spent five months and millions of dollars on the investigation, and it just seems kind of a waste just to throw that all away, uh, particularly when we're on the cusp of, I think, coming out with the report and actually taking an impeachment vote in the assembly. So I think that's important. But I think really, ultimately, uh, New Yorkers want answers. And it's not just about the sexual harassment. We do have the AG's uh, report on that, but there's a lot of other scandals that have been surrounding the governor, like the nursing home, fatalities and the potential cover-up of those fatalities and using government resources for his book that he wrote during the height of the pandemic and got 5.1 million dollars uh, for so those scandals uh, need to be addressed and I think you know people want answers particularly those who maybe lost loved ones in nursing homes uh, they want accountability and 
so that's one reason, uh, two reasons, I guess, why we ought to do it. Ultimately, the other question is, and this is, I think, less of a concern, but certainly is relevant, is the fact that if he is impeached, my understanding, he can't run for office again. And I don't right. know if the governor would be able to do with all the stuff that's uh, surrounding him now, if he ever make a political comeback, but this certainly would shut the door on that if he was impeached. And I think I saw on Wednesday that all of the Republican members of the Judiciary Committee feel this way as well. They want the impeachment to go forward, correct? Yeah, I think they want very much so. And, and again, I've never talked about the investigation with them, but I have asked them numerous times how they felt things were going. Uh, some felt like the, the probe could have gone faster or the investigation could go faster, but they feel strongly with all the efforts that's put in that we need to bring this to a conclusion. And Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie earlier this week was asked if he needed 76 Democratic votes to bring the articles of impeachment to the floor, 76 being half the chamber. But he said that he really didn't need 76 Democrats because obviously Republicans would be on board for impeachment as well. Is that correct? What's the sense in your conference right now? Do you think that they are pretty unanimously aligned in terms of impeaching the governor at this point? Well, I, yes, certainly in our conference, I haven't heard anyone say they were opposed to it or defending the government, governor. But for that matter, I haven't heard it on the Democratic side either. So I think if you brought an impeachment vote today, uh, you might get a unanimous vote uh, in favor of doing that. The only thing that's really changed now is obviously the governor's resigned. And so maybe people's views have changed and don't think that we ought to pursue this. But I'm not even sure that's the case. And I do think it's a bipartisan feel out there that we should somehow get accountability with this governor. So you're a lawyer. I want to pose this legal question to you. There have been a lot of rumblings of, can they even pursue impeachment since the governor has resigned? What do you think about that? Do you think the assembly should move forward even if it's not possible? It might create some litigation there. Do you have a sense of, can the assembly even do this now? So my understanding, I did. I haven't read a memo on it, although I'm a lawyer, I would say I'm far from an expert on impeachment, but we do have uh, attorneys on staff, fortunately, and they advised me that you could move forward, but they have not had a chance to actually provide a legal analysis of why they came to that conclusion. So I wait to see that, but my understanding you could do it, uh, and the, for the reasons that I just explained, and one of the major reasons is to prevent him from running for office again. So uh, switching gears here, you've been in the assembly since Governor Andrew Cuomo started his first three terms. You were in it actually before that as well. I'm wondering, what would you like to see changed once he resigns and Kathy Hochul takes the governorship? What dynamic would you like the legislature to have with the governor's office moving forward? Well, interesting enough, both uh, Governor Spitzer, who resigned in disgrace, and now uh, Governor Cuomo, they had a style where they didn't really work collaboratively with the legislature and certainly not with the Republicans. Uh, I was hopeful when Governor Cuomo started that uh, he was going to be a real contrast to Spitzer, and it did appear like that was going to be the case. He certainly brought some professionalism back to uh, the executive staff, and I thought there was some collaboration uh, with members of the legislature. Unfortunately, that sort of drifted, and obviously, I think ultimately it was part of his downfall because he ultimately didn't have a friend left politically in the legislature. So I would like to see Kathy Hochul work more as a partner with the legislature and not necessarily have to be so partisan all the time. Obviously, as a Republican in a heavily Democratic state, uh, we'd like to have Republicans' thoughts and voices heard. And it's not always, it doesn't necessarily have to be on big ideological issues. Obviously, we're going to have differences. Republicans and Democrats always have 
differences, but there's a few things could change. And I cited this example the other day about bail reform. I don't think anyone in my conference was dead set against any type of bail reform. We just felt that what was instituted went way too far. Now we think there ought to be some reform of that reform. And it doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, one thing we suggest is having judges make uh, have discretion uh, decide whether the, the defendant uh, is a uh, danger to the community before letting him out without bail. So there's a there's a reform that I don't think I think if you ask most New Yorkers, they wouldn't say that's a radically Republican idea or radically Democrat idea. They think they think that's a common sense idea. So I hope Kathy Hochul uh, understands that and is looking for, will look forward to working with uh, the legislature on whole, but also Republicans, because we do have a lot of good ideas of how to make this state a better place to live. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the dynamic changes when Kathy Hochul takes that governorship and how she works with the legislature and her governing style over the state of New York. But we do have to leave it there. Assembly Republican Leader Will Barclay, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, Dan. So we'll see what happens next week in the assembly. In the meantime, you might be asking yourself about the woman who's about to be New York's next governor. Kathy Hochul has been New York's lieutenant governor for six years now, and she's about to be the first woman to serve as governor in New York state history. And we actually asked her a year and a half ago how'd she feel if that happened. Listen to this. You know, I never make any future forecasts. I, I, I'm honored to be able to serve as lieutenant governor and if the circumstance arise where I need to step in, I am battle-tested, I can handle it. But her start in politics came long before her election as LG. Here's a look at the career and life of soon-to-be governor Kathy Hochul. <laughs> Kathy Hochul has made her mark in state government over the last seven years as a leader of the state's economic development strategy and a fierce advocate for issues related to women, like childcare and access to abortion. Here she is two years ago at a Planned Parenthood rally after the legislature approved new protections for abortion in New York. Because, yes, we're proud to be in New York, and yes, we can sit back and say we did a great job here. Hochul was selected to be Andrew Cuomo's running mate in 2014 after then-Lieutenant Governor Bob Duffy decided not to run. It is my honor to nominate and introduce to all of you for the very first time our next Lieutenant Governor, Kathy Hochul. You know Hochul was thought to provide balance to Cuomo's ticket. She's a native of Buffalo, where she still lives today, and Cuomo lost that part of the state in 2010. The pair won the 2014 election by more than 500,000 votes and were re-elected four years later. Today, the people across the state of New York have sent a message loud and clear. They want Governor Cuomo for four more years. But before she was elected to the state's number two job, Hochul already had history in New York state politics. She was elected to Congress in a 2011 special election in a district that was considered safe for Republicans at the time, but lost the seat a year later. Before she was in Congress, Hochul served as Erie County Clerk for four years and sometimes took positions that didn't line up with the Democratic Party. At the time, for example, she was opposed to allowing driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. Her position changed in 2018 when lawmakers were considering the issue at the state level. And what I'm saying is I was an elected official in Erie County. 
I represented the people of this district, but I would say today with respect to the driver's licenses, uh, it is a whole different era out there. That was 11 years ago. Hochul got her start in politics when she won a seat on the Hamburg Town Board in Erie County almost three decades ago. But her interest in public service dates back earlier to when she was an attorney working in the office of former U.S. Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan. She ended up leaving the job not because she wanted to, but because she didn't have access to childcare at the time, which is still one of her top issues. Uh, you know, I had children uh, 32 years ago working as a young staffer on Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan's staff. I was an attorney. I loved my job. But the hours were crazy. I mean, we would work morning till night, and sometimes through, we literally pulled all-nighters uh, when they were in session. You have a child, nobody to watch the kids. I didn't have parents. I didn't have family. I didn't have a support system. I was from New York. I'm down in Washington. And I literally had to walk away from that. And I tried to start a little business at home, a little consulting business with a second baby at home. And I had a tiny house next to my washing machine and dryer i set up a little desk put a couple toys under it and that was my office and you could hear my kids i'd be on the phone with a client and i'd say oh that child care center down the hall is too noisy today it's like those are my kids under my desk born to a blue collar family in buffalo hokel married bill hokel who eventually went on to serve as a federal prosecutor and while the hokels are considered a political power couple to some kathy hokel is still driven by her own experiences in life child care is a top issue for her because she went through it and economic development hits close to home literally Buffalo has gone through a major renaissance over the last decade, in part due to the state's regional economic development strategy. She leads the state's regional economic development councils, and she always makes time to get back to her roots, even in politics. Uh, one more hometown shout out, my local chairman, Erie County, Jeremy Zellner. Thank you for being there every step of the way for me. Thank you, Jeremy. And she's relatively well-regarded in the legislature. She often leads proceedings in the state Senate and is considered an ally among Democrats in the Assembly. That could give her a leg up in her own political future, whatever that may be. So hopefully you know a little more now about New York's next governor. But we've also got more coverage on Hochul and Cuomo's resignation over on our website. Visit every day for updates from the state capitol. Until then, thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.